0: This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. To download more lectures, learn more about our project, and to help support it, visit www.bayyina.com slash dream. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H slash dream. You are free to share these recordings with family and friends. Thank you and Jazakumullahu khairan for helping us make our dream a reality. I pray for Allah from the Most Merciful. In the name of Allah, the Most Merciful. I will not be able to be able to be able to be we وما ولد ones who are the ones who are the ones who are the ones who are the ones ولسان وشفتين وهديناه نجدين فلقط حمل عقبه وما أدراك مل عقبه فك رقبه أو إطعام في يوم ذي مسغبة يتم ذا مقربه أو مسكينا ذامت ربه ثم كان من الذين آمنوا وتواصوا بالصبر وتواصوا بالمرحمة أولئك أصحاب الميمنة والذين كفروا بآياتنا هم أصحاب المشأمة عليهم نار مقصدها الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ونستنبس سنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات salihat بالحق وتواصل الصبر آمين رب العالمين ثم أما بعد استغفر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن شاء الله تعالى are beginning our study of the 90th surah Surah Al-Balad And we'll begin by understanding its connection to the Surah that came before it Allah Azza wa Jal begins as Imam Al-Alusi الله says Aqsama subhanahu bil baladil haram Meaning when, he, when Allah Azza wa Jal says no Rough translation no I take an oath or I swear by this city I take an oath by this city That that city is referring to the sacred city meaning the city of Makkah Now just some things about the city of Makkah what is the first feeling a believer gets when they get to that city? You know there's a different kind of feeling you get when you go to a tourist resort or you go to some place you want to visit, that you meaning visiting family or a wedding or something like that. But when you go for any reason to the house of Allah or the city in which the house of Allah is built, the unanimous feeling of a believer that they are overwhelmed with at first is this tranquility, this calmness that overtakes them. And there's this, this sense of all your troubles almost disappearing at the sight of the house of Allah, Allah The previous surah according to Imam al-Biqa'i ended on the note, Ya ayyatuhann nafsul mutma'innah The last passage of Surah fajr was, the tranquil person, the nafs that has reached tranquility. And what is the center of tranquility on all of this earth? And what is the place from which this itmi'nan will begin and transfer to all of the lands on this earth? That is the house that Ibrahim alayhi salam had built and made dua at. That's the house of Allah Azza wa Jal. So it begins with that city from that same place with which tranquility begins in the previous surah. The second thing we found in the previous surah at the end again, Irji'e ila Rabbik, return to your Lord. And what is it that the person is doing when they're going to Hajj or to Umrah? They're returning to their Lord. And what is it a mimicking of? The hajj, as many mufassirun have commented, the hajj and the actions at the hajj and the clothing that we wear are a a symbolic representation of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. When we come before Allah with nothing. We come before Allah with basically nothing. And really the clothes, which emulate the clothes that we're gonna wear at our death. we're, We're wearing them at that point. So we return to our Lord. And so the previous surah had literally said, return to your Lord. And Allah swears by the city in which we on a yearly basis at least engage in the act of returning to our Lord then it says رَاضِيَةً this is the Hal of the, the state of the person who returns to their Lord Allah says رَاضِيَةً meaning the person themselves is content they're happy, they're satisfied and that is again one of the greatest joys in the life of a believer is to get to see the house of Allah many, you know, the, in our times it's so much easier because it involves some paperwork and a few hours of sitting you know, on a cushioned seat Right and on a chair that's flying through the air at hundreds of miles an hour. But there were people that came before us, generations upon generations, that traveled for months, if not a year, if not two years on end, traveling halfway across the earth, on like animals, to get to the house, and with all that trouble, when they get there, they finally become happy. That's like the greatest joy of their life. Radiyatan. And one part of that joy is that Allah has now cleansed your, 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 your sins. So the Hajj that is accepted, the Hajj that is accepted is an in indication in and of itself according to the Messenger's promise sallallahu alaihi wasallam, of the cleansing of our sins. So Allah is pleased with you which is the word مرضية, Meaning Allah is Himself content with you. So this... And then the next statement we found at the end of al Fajr was فَدْخُلِي فِي Enter in the midst of my servants. Enter into the midst of my slaves. What are we doing at the occasion of going to the house of Allah? At that city, what happens there? We enter into the company of Allah's ibad that are all engaged in one thing, the slavery to Allah. Then he says, وَدْخُلِي Jannati? Enter my paradise. Right? Enter, he tells the nafs, that tranquil nafs, to enter the paradise. What is the closest thing to Jannah on the earth? And which part of the earth has a piece of Jannah in it actually? This is the house of Allah Azza wa How beautifully the previous lessons have been now brought back to mind by Allah beginning this surah by swearing by that, this this city. Another note that is important to mention that Al-Biqai talks about rahimahullah he says in surah at-teen we find wa al balad amin Allah swears by the city there also but he says al-amin this this safe city this this peaceful city so there are other there's an adjective added to al-balad which is al-amin we don't find that word here and this is according to the principle of لِكُلِّ كَلِمَةٍ سِيَاقٍ Every word has a situation, and every word in the Qur'an has a place, and it cannot be moved from its place. The, the element that is being highlighted in Surah Al-Teen, when we get to that Surah we will see, is the miraculous gifts of Allah to certain regions. And the amn of the city, the safety of the city of Makkah, is one of the miraculous gifts Allah has given that city. But that is not what is being highlighted in this Surah actually rather the opposite. What is being highlighted in this surah is the conflict that is already brewing and is reaching some sort of a boiling point already in Meccan times between the call of the messenger وسلم, and those who chose to follow him against those who are now standing right against it. So the peace is actually disrupted, so the word ameen isn't used. And we'll see uh, other manifestations of that. The other difference is there are different ways in which an oath is taken in Arabic. You can use the harf, the preposition wa like wal Asr Wateen etcetera, right? Or even Wahat al-Balad that was used. But then you can also use, for example, B. B is also used. It's not used commonly in the Quran, but you could say, for example, in Arabic, you could say Wallahi, I swear by Allah. You can also say Billahi, I swear by Allah. It's a different usage of the word in, in terms of taking an oath. But then rather another usage is to spell it out, Uqsimu billahi. أَوْ يَقُولُ أُقْسِمُ بِهَذَا الْبَلَّدِ I swear by this city. Actually spelling it out with a verb, I swear by. Not just saying by this city, but saying I swear by this city. Now this is not normal usage. First and foremost, understand that in the Quran, Allah never says أُقْسِمُ He never says أُقْسِمُ He says لا أُقْسِمُ So لا أُقْسِمُ بِيَومِ الْقِيَامَةِ فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِمَوَاقِعِ النّجُومِ فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونِ Even then wa la first, but uqsimu by itself doesn't occur. فَلَا shafak بِالشَّفَقْ We've read in a previous surah. Right? So this La, its significance is something that is talked greatly amongst the linguists and grammarians and theologians and mufassirun, actually, scholars of exegesis of Quran, the significance of that La. And here are a few things that we should know about that La. First and foremost, it is not to be taken literally or in connection with uqsimu for the most part, most scholars say that's not the case. Meaning, if you said la uksimu and you translated it, I don't swear by this city, that wouldn't make sense. Some scholars have actually even tried to make sense of that. Some ulama in our past have said, for example, Mufti uh, thanaullah Allah Uthmani Panipati, who wrote Tafsir Madhari, talked about the benefit of just connecting it together, saying that this oath in its the, the statement I'm about to make is so powerful that I don't even need to take an oath. That's what Allah is saying. But that's not the majority opinion. Let's look at what the majority opinion is, and the stronger position really is, on the use of the word la. La actually underscores the existence of a counter-argument. Allah is about to say something, that people believe something to the contrary. And Allah, is, before He teaches them what the right thing is, He says no to everything they believe. So it's basically a lot of nonsense is being said and before you say the right thing, you have to silence them, right? So the way to silence them is what? No, la, And now you start with your statement And This is common usage in language Not something very technical Something even we use today, right? So in our times we could say something like Stop, I'll tell you No, 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 let me tell you, etc. Right? So this is la of negating all other ideas Others have commented actually that this la refers to the false attitudes that were highlighted in the previous surah. The two times when the human being is thoroughly tested, you recall last week, when the human being is tested with benefits and prestige and gifts in this world, or they are tested when Allah calculates their risk and puts a strain, puts a limit on how much they're going to earn, and they, would, they thought that this or this, this is ease and this is difficulty and we will see why Allah is negating that idea and how Allah is negating that idea as the surah proceeds so now let's look at the words al الْبَلَدْ so he swears by this city the word بَلَدْ also came up before in the previous surah we found for example "al-lati lam يُخْلَقْ مِثْلُهَا fil bilad." we found الَّذِينَ طَغَوْا فِي الْبِلَادِ the word "bilad" came up before in the previous surah but it was talking about other cities The cities in which corruption was rampant in the time of Ad, Thamud, Iram, Fir'aun. These are the nations which caused disruption in the cities. But now after giving them a historical lesson, it needs to be said that those cities are not just lessons for the past. These lessons you're supposed to learn from which city now? This one. So there's, there's a transition made from the mention of those cities to the current event. And this will be a, a continuous style of this, this section of the Qur'an. Allah will mention something in the general or in the past, and then bring it to current events. Meaning the life of the Prophet himself, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the events that surround his struggle. So it begins, لا Bi بهذا البلد. This, uh, by the way, Allah Azza wa Jal, by swearing by something, there are two ways, we, we've talked about this whenever a surah of oaths comes up, but it's important to review, I think, pretty much every time. Number one, an oath has been considered a means by which something is elevated and honored. So by Allah swearing by this city, it is an honoring of the city. Another is that it is a means by which people's attention has been grabbed for something that's about to be said. But what is about to be said has necessarily to do with what you swore by. So for example, if you're swearing by an emergency or, or something like that, you swear by something that I swear by fire, there's an emergency. Right, so you swear by something that will catch the people's attention. So the Jawab al-Qasim or the Muqsam alayhi, what's called, what's coming later on, the ayah, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ That ayah necessarily has to do with this city and what's going on in this city. Okay. So, لَا أُقْسِمُوا بِهَذَا الْبَلَدِ وَلَمْ يَصِفْ بِالْأَمَنِ بِأَنَّهُ لَا يَنَاسِبُ السِّيَاقَ al بِخِلَافْ مَا فِي التين, This is what Al-Ausi rahimahullah commented, he said, the, the word Amin, like I said was not mentioned here, because it doesn't appropriate in this surah, because this surah is all about conflict and not about peace, and not about tranquility, as is the case in Surah Al-Teen. Okay? Now, وَأَنْتَ حِلُّمْ بِهَذَا الْبَلَدِ al-biqai wrote something very beautiful, he said, فَقَدْ وَقَعَ الْقَسَمْ بِسَيِّدِ الْبِلَادِ وَسَيِّدِ الْعِبَادِ He said, the oath occurred first with the leader of all cities, the chief of all cities, and then the chief of all the slaves of Allah. So, and you, meaning the messenger of Allah, وَأَنْتَ حِلٌ بِهَذَا الْبَلَدِ The word hill is a little difficult to translate. We're going to take a step by step approach. I'll just use the Arabic word for now. You are hill in this city. You are hill in this city. So we're going to have to understand this word hill in a little bit of depth, inshaAllah ta'ala. First and foremost, this is a continuation of the style of the previous surah why because in the previous surah Allah spoke to his messenger also sallallahu alaihi wasallam alam tara كَيْفَ فَعَلَ rabbuka bi 'ad even at the end the first ihtimal the first application of ya أَيَّتُهَا nafs is who is the messenger of Allah himself first sallallahu alaihi wasallam and when you talk about a tranquil nafs who's the most tranquil of the nufus it is the messenger of Allah so the first person mentioned here is the messenger of Allah himself sallallahu alaihi wasallam now Allah says, you are Hil in this city. You are Hil in this city. Now the word Hil comes from many, many origins. And the amazing thing about the word Hil is, its variations are all single meaning. But this version of it can have a multitude of meanings. So for example, one of the synonyms of Hil is Mustahil or Mustahal even. That has been commented on tafsir. What that would mean is, you have become permissible in this city. Meaning the people of the city, even the mushrikun, they, they enjoy the peace of Mecca and they respect it. So much so they don't even hunt animals inside Mecca. They don't just kill a bird or an animal or you know, something like that for fun in the city of Mecca. They go outside to hunt because they consider this a sacred city. But when it comes to you, all of a sudden they've, they've considered it halal to try to kill you. Meaning the messenger is being told, a time is coming where this sacred law of the Meccans, they're gonna make it halal on themselves. This which has been haram on them for so long, they're gonna make it halal on themselves. Even they called it al-haram. Al- Even they called it a place in which killing is forbidden. It's, it's, not, it's not something that's allowed. But you are about to become halal for them literally you're about to become halal for them. So what this illustrates is one very important principle. This, the forces of kufr, the forces of disbelief, that are against the forces of truth. Even the forces of disbelief have certain principles. Even they have a constitution, a law, certain ethics, certain lifestyles, what Qur'an calls al-muthla in one place. When they talk to each other, they say your exemplary lifestyle. Meaning they uphold and take pride in their lifestyle. But when it comes to opposition with the Muslims, and especially with the messengers or any who stand by their mission, then they are willing to break even their own rules. The rules that they pride themselves in, they're willing to break them. They're willing to forego them for the sake of opposition to Islam. So their hypocrisy, when they say we're standing by our principles and that's why we're fighting you, those very principles, they break when it comes to fighting against the Muslims. So for example, in a nation where you will have this idea of, you know, due process, or everybody's equal before the law, etc., etc., etc. When it comes to something, some antagonism against a Muslim, all of those things will be put to the side. Right? In the, in the, in the time of Fir'aun, in the time of Fir'aun, one of their own was not attacked. One of the, you know, someone who was in, had that citizenship of the Fara'ina, their family, they were off limits. Musa alayhi salam was raised in that house, so he was supposed to be off limits, he was supposed to be, but his patience ran out, Fir'aun's patience ran out, and he broke one of his own rules, when he went after Musa alayhi salam. The same is the case with the Arabs. You would attack anyone in the world, but not one of your own tribe. You will not attack one of your own tribe. But did they... And they had to come up with a way to get around that problem. So what did they do? The scam was... The scheme rather was, to get one member of each tribe and to anonymously attempt to kill, so that the blame is you know, directed in every direction, and therefore there is no blame at all. So they were even willing to break their own principles in antagonism against Islam. Why is this important for us to note? When we do the work of Islam and when we spread the message of Islam and give da'wah, and we talk about the forces that are against this deen, that are struggling against this deen, and then we expect from them justice. You're doing this and you're doing an injustice against Muslims, etc, etc. Allah is mentally preparing us to expect injustice, even by their standards. He's expecting us to expect or telling us to expect injustice even by the standards of those who oppose us. They will break their own standards in opposition to those who believe. And this is the, history, the nature of history and the history of the Prophet certainly the history of the Messenger of Allah This is the first thing. The second thing about the word Hil. Is that you? Something will be made permissible for you, especially for you, Wasallam, that has been, never been made permissible before you. And this again from halayhilu and halal. What this implies is that the conquest of Makkah, for one day and one day only, it was permissible for the Messenger to, to order the execution of certain war criminals there were certain war no, for the most part there was forgiveness on the day of the conquest of Mecca but there were certain war criminals who had to go punished who had to be punished so for example in some narrations we find some you know uh, kufar mentioned by name like ibn Hamzal for example is mentioned by name that the messenger commanded sallallahu his execution now on that day also the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said inna he says, no doubt it is Allah who made Makkah haram, meaning haram for fighting and killing, the day on which He created the heavens and the earth. فَهِيَا حَرَامٌ إِلَىٰ أَن تَقُومَ السَّاعَةِ It will remain haram until the hour is established. When there will be chaos in every land, there will be chaos there also. لَا تَحِلُّ لِأَحَدٍ قَبْلِ وَلَن li لِأَحَدٍ badi. It has never been made halal for anyone before me, nor will it be made halal for anyone after me. وَلَمْ تَحِلَّ لِي إِلَّا سَاعَةً مِنْ نَهَارِ And has never been made halal for me except for an hour within a day. Meaning that certain point at the day of the conquest of Makkah, it was made halal. Now this is by, by pretty much consensus of Makki Surah. And by, the, by Allah telling His Messenger ﷺ the second thing, the first was they have made you become halal for them to attack. But you will be, it will be halal for you to also execute punishment On them, this doesn't make sense in the Meccan context. It only makes sense at the context of victory. So in that statement already is a guarantee of the victory of Islam. When the messenger is being told, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it will be permissible upon you to execute these kuffar. And this is one of the interpretations that exists even among the sahabas' time of this ayah. So you have people like Qatadah radiallahu anhu, Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah, etc., holding very strongly to this opinion. So this is the second thing. On the one hand, their conflict is being illustrated. On the other, the victor in this conflict has also been illustrated in wa hillun biha al-balad. Here's the third meaning, which is also very beautiful and powerful. The word "hill" also comes in the meaning of arriving or descending. And actually in this meaning, we find certain, uh, certain expressions of the Arabs. For example, to hillan حِلًّا al balad." The Arabs would have an expression, that I'm going to remain situated in this city. I've landed in this city, I've gotten here, and I'm going to stay here, I'm not going to move. So they would say "ma'zil But by this the Messenger is being told, you are a permanent fixture of this city. You are to remain in this city. In other words, even when they expel you, what's gonna happen? You will be coming back. You will be coming back and establish your rule in the city. Another means by which the guarantee of victory has been given to the Messenger sallallahu Alaihi. But again, this descent, literally the word halla means to untie. Literally the word halla, the root origin of halla means to untie something. For example, the dua of Musa salam, untie the knot in my tongue. Right? Same word halla is used. Now in this, one of the expressions we find among the Arabs is حَلَّ ahmāl عِنْدَ nuzul. Why did they talk about descending or coming into a city? Because when a traveler lands into the city, comes down from the mountain into the city, and gets there, what does he do? He unties his bags. So the word hill was used for arrival because it symbolizes untying or unpacking your bags, basically. What this illustrates actually is, it's an implication, what's ca- captured in the language is, the Messenger ﷺ went up to the mount, he received revelation there, and now he came down into the city, has now arrived in the city. And this is why, this is the second honoring of Mecca. Mecca was already a blessed place, but Allah has given a second reason for which Mecca is blessed. Which is what? That the Messenger himself has descended upon the city from after, after, after having received revelation ﷺ. So Alusi rahimahullah, like I commented before, says, يَسْتَحِلُّونَ إِخْرَاجَكْ وَقَتْلَكْ That an tahillun bihathal balad means, it has become halal for them to expel you or to even kill you, which is something that was not permissible for them to do for one of their own ever before. The other thing we find is an interesting hadith of the Prophet wasallam, uh, narrated in the tafsir of Ibn Kathir in the context of this ayah, مَا أُذِيَ أَحَدٌ اللَّهِ مَا The Messenger says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Nobody has ever been tortured or given pain for the sake of Allah alone, the way in which I have been. What I have suffered for the sake of Allah, no one has before me, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, this difficulty and struggle, and this, you know, the word hill has a lot of heavy context in it, all of it implying struggle, but the very beginning of the the ending of the previous surah talked about this itmi'nan, this tranquility, right? This will only be attained by the one who is struggling for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah Azza wa Jal goes on to say, وَوَالِدٍ وَمَا وَلَدٍ Which is an interesting parallel with the previous surah. In the previous surah we found forefathers and ancestors mentioned, but of wrongdoers. So we found, "Alam تَرَى كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بِعَادٍ إِرَمَ ذَاتِ and then وَثَّمُودِ وفرعون, right? So you have these, this idea of lineage and, uh, and entire ancestries of wrongdoers or entire you know, progenies of kings and rulers that did wrong one after another. But then Allah shows the other side. And the other side of it is when Allah swears Wa وَمَا وَلَدٍ which is عَطْف from the first oath and I also swear by the father and, how, and what he gave birth to and what he fathered and ma here i'm translating as what but really yadullu ala taajjub it's used what an amazing son he fathered the father and what an amazing son he had ok the father according to many Mufassirun refers to Adam alayhi salam and Walad to all of the children but in the context of this surah more so the Mufassirun commented that the father refers to Ibrahim alayhi salam and the son to Ismail and through his lineage Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi why is that particularly a stronger tafsir of the ayah because it began specifically with this city the oaths began with this city in particular, and in this city, the father of the city would be Ismail, his father Ibrahim alayhi salam, and through his lineage, finally the son, Rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam Why are multiple implications possible for one word? Because there's no alif lam on it. Remember, walayal and in the previous surah, and there were multiple interpretations possible that are simultaneously carried because there's no al on it. Same is the case here. Wa walidin wa ma walada. Walid doesn't have. It's not wal walid. There's no alif lam on it. So it could refer to multiple. So now, by making a mention of Walid, they, the, the Arab would think of Walid as Ibrahim a.s. They would think back and would think about Ibrahim a.s. By the way, we find the three prophets that are mentioned recur- very often in the discourse of da'wah, especially in Meccan Quran, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa. Like for example, in, in Surah Al-Shura. وَمَا مَصَّيْنَا به إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَمُوسَى وَعِيسَى right? Why Ibrahim, Musa and Isa? The Meccans, who did they consider their ancestry tied to? Ibrahim salam. Who are the other audiences of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم? It's the Jews and the Christians. Who did the Jews affiliate with? Musa salam. and the Christians? Isa a.s. So the three occur the most because these are the three that capture the ear of the audience of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم the most. Anyhow... So وَوَالِدٍ وَمَا وَلَدٍ By referring to it, Allah is making, making mention of the father who started this legacy, who, who inaugurated this city, who built the house of Allah and made dua, once that's situated in Surah Al-Baqarah, the other time in Surah Ibrahim, and finally the son who is the fulfillment of his dua, when he says, رَبَّنَا وَبْعَدْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْهُمْ Our Lord appoint from them a messenger who is from among themselves. So those two are captured. Now the other thing, Wama ma walad, includes all the children also, whatever he, whoever he fathered. So it includes Rasulullah ﷺ, but it also includes the children of Ismail ﷺ, the vast majority of them who are doing shirk. So actually, in saying this one thing, Allah is saying, what an amazing father you come from, and how you, the Messenger of Allah are being true to the legacy of your father, and how shocking it is that the vast majority of his children are rebelling against the legacy of their own father by rebelling against you. You've become halal. Haven't they forgot that you are now doing what your father had done? You're reviving what your father had done, alayhi salam, right? So Allah is tying those arguments together by saying, لا أقسم بهذا البلد وأن تحل بهذا البلد ووالد وما ولد. Now at the end of these oaths, we find what's called al Qasam. What are these oaths leading up to? What is the central subject of this surah? It is the al Qasam. Allah says, لَقَدْ خلقنا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كبر. This is the subject of the oath. For example, again, what I mean by subject of the oath is as follows. When I say, I swear, or I swear to you, then you're expecting me to say something more. right? You swear to me what? What is, it so, what is so important that you have to say I swear to you first? So when Allah takes an oath, what is it that He's taking an oath about? That's called Jawab al qasam the response of the oath. And that's what this ayah is, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا insana فِي كَبَدٍ No doubt we already created the human being as a matter of fact, or actually, La for Tawqeed here, we have already created the human being in another heavy word, the word كَبَد. Some of the mufassirun commented, اَيْشِدَّ شَدِيدَ وَمُشَقَّةٌ مُحِيطَةٌ بِهِ الظَّرْف This is, uh, you know, kabad means this intense, intense, laborsome, difficult toil that is overwhelming you from every direction. The one in it is like air all around you. Allah says the human being has no doubt been created in endless and exhausting struggle. Exhausting, endless, laborsome struggle. That's what he says about the human being. Now remember the surah began with لا. لا, Because the human being incorrectly thought when Allah gives him prestige and honor, then his troubles are over. And he's been honored. And when the risk goes away, then he feels like his, his Lord has humiliated him. فَيَقُولُ رَبِّ أَهَانًا He says, my Lord has humiliated me. But now we are learning no, no, no that's not true at all لا أقسم بهذا البلد وأنت حل بهذا البلد ووالد وما ولد لقد خلقنا الإنسان في كبد implies no matter what your financial situation no matter what people think of you whether people think you have an easy life or hard life or whether you think you have an easy life or hard life each and every human being is created in an intense struggle an intense struggle and the way Mufti Muhammad Shafiq commented on this ayah is very beautiful. He said, no matter where you come from, human beings never stop worrying. Human beings are never, ever, ever free of worry. The richest one is worried about what, how their relationship is with their wife, or their child, or their parents, or something or the other. Maybe it's something trivial to you. But it's something that bothers them, and increases their blood pressure, and they have to take pills for it. And it's laugh, you know, the the things that stress people in different parts of the world are drastically different, right? Somebody is stressed out that their curtains don't match their carpet. They're stressed out about that. Somebody's stressed out that they don't have a Blu-ray DVD player versus the old school, you know, they're stressed out about that. What's gonna happen to their old collection? And it's stressing them. And in some other part of the world, somebody's stressed out that their child doesn't have food to eat tomorrow. Or there's gonna be like, you know, the Muslims in China today, whether or not their family is just gonna be attacked and destroyed overnight. Because of the chaos that's going on among the Uyghur people. May Allah help the Muslims there, right? So, you know, different levels of stress. Somebody sitting in their bedroom stressing. (laughs) Right, in an air conditioning room, in condition room stressing about their 401k which has gone down from 800,000 to 700,000, oh boohoo Right, you would say boohoo but they're losing sleep over it they're gone, They've gone crazy over it The idea is, is it still something that's stressing the human being? Keeping them from being relaxed? Keeping them from finally being tranquil? You think, the, the one who doesn't have it thinks, when I get it I will have tranquility Right, and the one who has it says, man you don't know, there's a lot of stress It's a lot of stress. So Allah lets you know, no matter what your situation, you are in, you are in enormous struggle. Now the other thing that's really important to note here is, there are two kinds of, two paths that are gonna be talked about in this surah. The path of Allah, the right way, right? And the path of other than Allah. You could follow a path, which you follow Allah's dictates, and that's gonna be a struggle. Or you could follow what you wanna do. But guess what? Both of them are a struggle neither of them is easy you think one is easy and one is hard but in both of them there's trouble both of them will lead you to stress and difficulty and labor etc right? N- none of these paths are easy so might as well struggle for something that will lead you to something better in the end right? people run away from the commandments of Allah thinking it's gonna bring difficulty to life even Muslims today or even you know non-Muslims for sure for example we find non-Muslims making comments that are close to Islam that are close to Islam making comments like Yeah, I really like your religion, it makes a lot of sense, but it asks too much of me. It's asking me to change too many things. Right, it's too hard. So the way they're doing things, they feel this is ease, and the way Islam is telling them to do things is difficulty. Allah's commandments are difficulty. In Surah an nisa Allah says, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُخَفِّفَ عَنْكُمْ Allah intends to lighten your burden from you. Meaning your life is full of burdens, you follow His commandments, and it will become... Light. and this is in the context of ahkam, rulings that Allah passes in the surah Allah knows what's better for you, the medicine tastes sour but it's good for you it brings ease and comfort and relaxation to you so we'll, we'll talk more about that as the surah continues insha'Allah ta'ala so لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ the word كَبَد means the middle of the day which for the Arabs is the toughest part of the day it also means to be immersed in the middle of a sand dune meaning it's the hardest for you to walk when your feet are ingrained in the sand and, and it's trouble walking toil, calamity, exhaustion. The word qabad also actually means, uh, refers to liver, and Kibd was actually used when your liver gets injured when your liver gets injured. And it's, it has the meanings of, of toughness and intensity and struggle. Some of the Mufassirun commented, even among the Sahaba there was the opinion, that the word qabad refers to the fact that human being struggles to come out of the womb of the mother, struggles to drink the milk from the mother, struggles to learn to walk, struggle all across life. And these are the struggles. Others said, no, these are the struggles that all creatures share with us. So why would Allah say لَقَدْ خلقنا الإنسان في كبد There's some other heavy burden, heavy exhaustion that the human being suffers from. And uh, for example, we find thena Allah Panipati commenting in Tafsir Madhhabi. He says, also Mufti Muhammad Shafi said this. He said perhaps that this labor is the covenant that Allah put upon every human being before they even got here to acknowledge Allah as their as their Rabb. That, that responsibility, that burden, is upon them. And as long as they deny that responsibility, they have troubles in life. And when they accept that responsibility, they have troubles. But the kinds of troubles that will elevate their status. That will elevate their status. So, wallahu Ta'ala A'lam. Other mufassirun have said that the word insan here, refers specifically to a kafir who went by the title Abul al and he was one of the great, the strong of the kuffar who used to make bets like, you know, he's, he's going to take a piece of leather, and he's going to step on it and said, I'll give you all kinds of wealth if you can pull it out of my foot. So you'd have multiple people trying to yank this piece of leather from under his foot, and they couldn't do it until the leather would rip, but his foot wouldn't move. And some of the Sahaba said this is referring to him because Qabid also means strength. So Allah created that human being with enormous kinds of strength, and he was very wealthy, and he spent a lot of money in opposition to the Muslims. So some referred it to that, but the majority of the Muhasirun say really when al-insan is used, it's a commentary on the entire human race, and it's really lam al-jins. Right? All human beings are created in this toil and this struggle. Finally, Al-Alusi rahimahullah, in Ruh Al-Ma'ani says something really beautiful and powerful about this ayah. He says, وَفِي تَأْكِيدُ كو, uh, كَوْنِ الْإِنسَانِ فِي كَبَدْ بِالْقَسَمْ تثبيت لِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ By Allah emphasizing, in this oath, that human beings are meant for struggle. They can't escape it. In it, there is a strengthening. And in it, there is a confirming and a patting on the back of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa He He's being told, you are struggling for this cause, but you're not the only one. Struggle is going on all around. So the fact that struggle is taking place isn't something unique to you. It is part of... Human legacy. So be, you know, it's okay. They're going through a struggle too. You're not the only one. And this is this is what's meant to happen. This is the qadr of Allah. And when He learns, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that something is from the qadr of Allah, He is satisfied. He reaches that itminan that we spoke about in the very beginning. So now Allah Azza says, ahad. This human being is created in struggle, and Allah mentions the psychological conflict of the human being. Probably many of you can identify with the psychological conflict. On the, on the inside, there is this stress and this worry. Maybe this worry about, is about your finances. Maybe this worry is about you know, your, your reputation among people. Maybe this, you know, it's about your education, etc. Whatever it may be, but the human being is stressed out and he's in this cupboard, in this labor. Constantly exhausted in this labor. But at the same time, he has to maintain this reputation of strength and you know, I'm not weak, I don't need any help and nobody's like, I'm number one, that sort of thing on the outside you have a lot of this, it's manifest in our society most clearly among celebrities like musicians and artists and things like that you know, on the outside I'm number one and you know, this and that and on the inside they're overdosing on pills and killing themselves and, like, and they're depressed and they have suffer from severe psychological trauma but on the outside, these are the most confident people, and they want, you know, everybody should be like me, and everybody wants to be like me sort of thing. So there's this conflict. Now look at this, the other side. On the one hand, the human being is created in struggle, and on the other, at the same time, has he assumed that no one will have control over him whatsoever? It is only upon him, alayhi. قَدَّمَتْ Right, this wa majrur. This prepositional phrase has been put early Which means it is only upon him That not a single one will have any control over He is special He's gonna be above the law He's never gonna get caught He thinks he's the one who's above everything else And this attitude we find in, in little ways And big ways among human beings There could be, you know, the, the arrogant ruler Who thinks nobody will Who's gonna come after me? Right? You have these people, mani- uh, genocidal maniacs who will command you know, war and, and give, bring death to th- thousands of people and what's going on in their mind? Who's gonna stop me anyway? What are they gonna do about it? Right? Similarly, the abuse of power sort of thing. Similarly, this idea of being invincible can come as in, in something as small or something as minuscule as the attitude of a young man or a young woman. They don't drive carefully. Oh, nothing's gonna happen. I know what I'm doing. You know, nobody's gonna... I'm not gonna get caught. Right, so this, this idea of nobody will have control over him. Allah ahad. Now the word ahad is interesting because it connects this surah to the previous surah. In the previous surah, we learn ahad, ahad. And there, ahad, Allah was saying, on that day, his punishment will be like no, the punishment of no one else, and his wrapping up and tying up and caging will be like the caging and wrapping up and tying up of no one else. So here he says no one will have control over him and the word ahad here implies even Allah. He's not concerned that even Allah will ever have exercised his control over him. Notice that the word len refers to negative in the future. So will not have control. He's thinking in the future that he will remain independent. He's not concerned about the future. Now understand the, the surah so far alluded to things in the past. wa وَمَا وَلَدٍ The installation of the city right the creation of the human being is reference to the past but now there's this attitude that is carefree about the future meaning the one who doesn't reflect on the past doesn't develop proper concern on the future and, the, and reflection on the past what does it do for you? it prepares you for the future that's the idea of learning lessons from history so يَقُولُ أَهْلَكْتُ مَا Lubada. so we're going from Yahsabu to يَقُولُ Yahsabu he assumes he thinks nobody will have control this is something going on in his head but Yakulu, he says he says something which means his assumptions that when they get strong enough and he gets arrogant enough and full of himself enough and obnoxious enough he actually says it out loud he says some things out loud so what are, what are the manifestations of his arrogance? he says Ahlaqtu مَا lubada first of all he thinks nobody will have control over him this is, an, this is an illustration of power and strength the second is an illustration of wealth this person has a lot of money, and there's a lot of ways in, this, in which this ayah has been interpreted, and all of them fit together. First of all, he says, "I have destroyed, literally destroyed, you know, completely wrecked enormous amounts of wealth." Lubed, in Arabic comes from labd or libd, libda. Which is, you know, something that's uh, liquid and sticky. And you can pile things on top like glue to stick things together. And lubad is used for a huge pile that is stuck together. So a pile of wealth that is not, that's immobile. Right? So when he says, ma'la he says, I have just destroyed enormous amounts of wealth. Which is kind of similar to the English expression, man, I blew a lot of money on that stereo system or whatever. <laughs> right? A lot of, blew a lot of money on those rims by blowing up money ahlaqtu malan i destroyed wealth it is a means by which an arrogance is illustrated he doesn't even say anfaqtu malan i spent a lot of money he says i blew a lot of money like i don't even care i killed that you know i killed so much cash on this thing i destroyed so much money in that thing the way of the arab saying that is i don't even care what i do with my money and it's his way of saying you know there are a few things going on here one he wants to tell people how much he spends you know he knows what what he spent and nobody cares but he wants to make sure people know what he spends this is directly connected to the previous surah remember when his money goes away he feels he's humiliated فَقَدْرَ عَلَيْهِ رِزْقُهُ رِزْقُهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَهَانًا When when Allah collects his risk and calculates he says, My Lord has humiliated me. Why? Because his idea of prestige is showing off his wealth. Now he's literally showing off his wealth. He can't even hold it in his head. He says, يَقُولُ He says, Man, I've blown a lot of money. So, you know, he's outside with you in the parking lot and you're just talking about, you know, one time is salah. You know how much I spent on this car? (laughs) You know? He just feels the urge to tell you he can't help himself right he can't help himself man that's a big house I bought I got a really good deal only two million right and he wants to see the reaction on your face because he wants to hear you go oh right and people, people get a kick out of that people get a kick out of people staring at them and looking at them why is it you know for a, a lot of people that are not mature in their thinking and they think wealth or status these sorts of things that symbolize wealth will bring them status what kinds of things do they do? they'll for example you know, uh, a lot of people will will deck out their car. right? Uh, One, you'll get a really expensive, nice car, which maybe there's nothing wrong with But you get like spinner rims, and you get all kinds of funny like add-ons. So when you pull over at the red light, somebody will look at your car, and you can't look at your car when you're driving, you're inside, right? You can only look at other people. What are you looking at though? You're enjoying other people looking at you. That's all it's about, right? So the, the decor in your life is not about you as much as it is about what other people will say when they walk in and say, nice place, ah, mission accomplished, somebody said nice place, right? So this idea of showing off to others, which in Surah al is captured in the words, وَتَفَاخْرٌ بَيْنَكُمْ But here this Arabic arrogant person says, Ahlaktu مَا لَلُّبَدَى Man, I've spent a lot of money. Oh my God, I can't, I don't know where else to spend money on. So he's showing this off. The other way this is interpreted is, that you know when the call is made to do infaq to, to spend for the orphan, to spend for the needy, to spend for a good cause and these are the causes in early Meccan Quran that we talk about when we talk about infaq الله, which was you know to gathering for the for baytul maal and for the struggle of the messenger and the battles that's later on early infaq in Meccan surah what is, what is the Quran talking about? taking care of the orphan right? the needy these are the things that are talked about more so Now, when it comes to this kind of call, what does he say? Man, I've already blown all my money. (laughs) I've already destroyed my wealth. I don't have anything left. So before even the fundraiser begins, you know what does he come and say? Man, I spent so much on that extension of the house. You know how much it cost me? Like $40,000. Now, you know why he's saying that? Because, you know, he's... People know that he's wealthy, so when the fundraising begins, they might go to him and say, "Hey, what do you have to offer?" So before they even get to come to him, what's he gonna say? Man, I've spent a lot of money. So they don't even bother. They think, "Man, he spent so much money on that other thing, so he probably doesn't have anything left." So he's psychologically defending himself from having to say no <laughs> when the time comes. He's just saying, ah, "I blew all my money." That's how Amin Ahsan Islahi, Rahimahullah, comments on this ayah in Tadabbur al-Quran. Then another way in which, in, if this uh, this insan is referring to the the most adamant of the kuffar against Islam. Some have interpreted this to mean that you know in the struggle against the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, they were also spending money in struggling against the Messenger sallam And some say this guy says you should consider me the leader because I've spent the most in opposition of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Abu al referring to specifically that I've spent the most so you should consider me the leader of this this cause against the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم so lubada, and this is an interesting contrast with what the, the same human being the same al-insan says in the previous surah here we find him saying man I've blown my money I've threw my cash here threw my cash there destroyed my wealth right I've got money to spare what is he saying in the previous surah قَدَّمْتُ لِحَيَاتِي Oh, if only I had invested for my life. Put some investment where? In this world so I can enjoy it in the next. And now Allah, so He gave us the view of what's He gonna be saying in the future? But how did He get to that point? In this surah He told us what's He doing now with His money? And he's bragging about it too. He's bragging that I'm just blowing my money in every direction. And Allah has already given us, in the previous surah, a picture of what he is going to be saying, because of this and, and the, when he stands before Allah. He'll be saying, oh, if only I had invested, subhanAllah. ahad. Now, Lan was of the future, right? He doesn't think anyone will, will have control over him. Then Allah says, does he assume that no one saw him? No one saw him, as in the past. Lam yarahu lam forces the mudari' into the past tense. Did no one ever see him? Is that what he assumes? In other words, now Allah is asking him if you're not willing to reflect on the legacy of your father and the legacy of legacies of the previous nations. Right, of, that were mentioned in the previous surah. At least reflect on your own life. Do you think nobody saw what you've been doing all this time? Do you not know how, Allah doesn't know how you acquired your wealth? You see the Quraysh started thinking that they have this you know, natural born right to the city and to the wealth and to prestige. This is in their blood. And Allah says, no, this city was, you know, wadin This was a valley with no cultivation. This was nothing. Allah produced by the dua of Ibrahim salam. Allah gave the city life. Allah provided its citizens risk. Made it safe. You're not entitled to it. Haven't you looked in your own life of the things you've enjoyed because of these provisions Allah has given? <laughs> has he assumed that no one ever saw him? Subhanallah. And now... Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions the, the very right after saying that nobody see him, he says, "Didn't we give him eyes?" aynain. Didn't we give him eyes? Meaning, the one who gave you the ability to see, don't you think he saw you to begin with? Right? He gave you the ability to see. You don't think he saw you? aynain. The other thing is, you've destroyed so much wealth. How much wealth are you willing to pay for your eyes? Right? How did you pay for your eyes? Didn't we give you the eyes? You know, you've got the camel, you've got the property, you've got this, you've got that, fine. Who gave you the eyes? نَجْعَلْ نَجْعَلْ Didn't we install for him the eyes? Both, both eyes? And a tongue? Now what did he say with his tongue? In, just a few moments ago we read, He used his tongue to say, man, I've blown a lot of cash. I've spent a lot of wealth. That's what he used his tongue for. So Allah doesn't say, just say, and He adds, وَشَفَتَيْنٍ And two lips to hold the tongue inside. According to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, the, the, the lips are a means by which you control your tongue. The first thing was, yahsabu, His assumption of arrogance. Nobody will have control over him. His assumption of nobody saw him in the past. But the arrogance manifested with the tongue, didn't it? And that was the worst crime. Which is why he's going to be crying on the Day of Judgment with that same tongue. So what did Allah say? wa? wa shafatain." Subhanallah. We gave him a tongue and two lips to hold that tongue inside. And these are two of the most remarkable creations if you think about them. What we see processes immediately in our mind. And the tongue even... You know, I'm thinking about saying something, I mean, think about a processor, right? It's got to go over here, get processed, and then those concepts have to be turned into words, into a grammatically coherent sentence, and then come out of my mouth, all within fractions of a second. All of this is happening. This incredible engineering, this, this mechanism is taking place constantly for us. No processor lag. You know, your processor and your operating system, sometimes the camera freezes. Right? so our eyes don't do that, like, I'm still over there, I'm looking over here, but I still see this. Because if the processor froze for a few seconds. That doesn't happen. <laughs> right? Subhanallah, what a processor Allah put in here. Right? And the speakers get scratchy, and you know, the, the sound doesn't come through, or the file gets corrupt. Subhanallah, Allah made this flawless system that works for years and years and years, and no plug-in. No like, you know, another like, you know, system of battery that Allah Azza wa created. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, وَلِسَانٌ وَشَفَتَيْنٌ And finally, we'll close with this ayah and discuss it in depth, because it's a very deep ayah. That's the conclusion of this, this series of rhetorical questions that Allah asks. And that Hun Najda'in that we guided him to two elevated paths. Paths that lead to elevation, paths that are heading up mountains. Literally, that's what najd is, a wide path that is clear of cultivation, that is heading up mountains. And we'll talk about the implications of that, insha'Allah ta'ala, after the salah. Barakallahu li wa lakum quran al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa bil ayat wa zikr al